All right, we are back. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, we're excited to be here today to talk about something that we are frequently asked about adoption. This is probably the most common question and the most talked about topic when we start talking to families about adopting. Yes, usually when we meet somebody, um, it starts with, well, I've, I've always thought about adoption or I've always felt kind of drawn to adoption or I know somebody. Anyway, it kind of boils down to this question of, well, it, I've always thought about adoption. I've always kind of thought about adoption, but, but yeah, but my spouse doesn't think we should adopt or hasn't thought about it or, you know, it kind of bring, comes back to there's like this big but of like, like, I think it's a good idea, but my other half does not. Yeah, super common. In fact, more common. often than not, I would say that's 80% plus of the time that's a common thing for families that ultimately end up answering the call. Yes, that guess is what? something was we're this, learning to work through. It's the same thing for us. <laughs> Yeah. So um, we have obviously had three adoptions. And so our first one with Cooper, like Brady and I maybe are a little different in that we actually did talk about adoption before we were married. And um, and then as we were married and kind of it took us longer to have kids, like that was always part of our conversation, just like a normal part of our conversation. Yeah, I was planning on it the whole time. And so, um, so when we had the opportunity after Mason was born to – move forward and adopt Cooper like that was a very natural step for both of us we were both on board with that and we both like knew it was the right time and the right place and all that all that so same with the Columbia same adoption with the Columbia adoption yeah it just kind of like came about that like we were both on the same page at the same time with that so that was great with our adoption of Willow and Livy from foster care that was a little bit different because that wasn't just like a, a straightforward adoption. I mean, not that any adoption is like cut and dry, straightforward, but you know, it was um, something that seemed different and that maybe we weren't as open to as we were to adoption. Yep. And so what we found is Andrea had actually thought about doing foster care or at least had that seed planted in her heart at a very young age. Maybe you can share about that experience. Yeah. So um, when I was younger on my bus, on my bus ride to elementary school, there was, I always sat in the front of the bus with my bus driver. And so there was a new kid and in my town, everybody knew everybody. And so this new kid showed up one day and I remember like meeting him and like asking him who he was and why he was living with this family that I knew and found out that he was actually in foster care and he was living with this family. So that just like really piqued my interest and I I got to know him and just like just like was so intrigued with his story and just felt like a lot of compassion for him and um and just had that little experience with him that wasn't even it wasn't even long like Brady and I were talking about it and he wasn't there for very long but it was just kind of that little interaction I think that kind of um introduced me to foster care and got that little um that little thought in my mind and that little seed growing in my heart about foster care and for me Foster care had never crossed my mind, was not even on the radar for my whole childhood, all growing up. Even after we got married, we were having a hard time um, actually having a child. <clears throat> took us a number of years before we were able to have our first child. And during that time, you know, we had talked about adoption before we got married. So we did explore, is this something that maybe we should do right now? And Andrea had floated the idea out there, well, there's a lot of different ways. Foster care is maybe one of them. And then other ideas. And I, I remember thinking right then, like, no, I, 
I do not want to do foster care. That is not something I feel comfortable with. And so that was kind of my first thought on, on uh, or introduction to foster care. And we went on, we had children, and we adopted Cooper. And, we did. Uh, and then yeah. maybe you can share from here. Okay, well, yeah, so after um, we adopted Cooper, um, we Brady and I were actually at a conference for his work, and they brought in a speaker. Her name was Ashley Rhodes Corridor, and she actually grew up in the foster care system in Florida. And um, as an adult, she wrote a book about her experiences in the foster care system and being adopted. I believe she was like age 13 when she was adopted. And so she um, had wrote this, wrote this book about it and came to speak to us about it. And um, just like hearing her experiences and then reading her book really like – started the the fire I guess for me to want to pursue foster care and I do have to say too like we we weren't I didn't feel like we were pursuing it necessarily for adoption but mm-hmm. I just knew that like foster care was something that we needed to do whether or not it ended in adoption yeah I remember coming back from my meetings and having Andrea there and she was just very excited to tell me about this experience and about this speaker, and she had her book there, and she was so excited about it and telling me about it. And I remember my reaction was the same <laughs> as it was before of, yeah, I don't I don't feel good about foster care. In fact, I especially don't feel good about foster care right now. And, and the reasons why were um, I, and this is, this, is, um, this is just being very transparent, I felt like th- these children could introduce unnecessary risks to our existing children. I felt like they would um, potentially change the dynamics of our family in a way that are irreparable, if you may. Um, I remember uh, you know, when we adopted Cooper and when we decided to adopt a child that has Down syndrome as well, meaning when we adopted Cooper, I, I knew that that was relatively safe because those kids are so innocent and so like naturally innocent and kind and loving and for the most part. And so um, that wasn't a big risk in my mind at that time. But foster care just seemed like this big, scary, why I can't do that as a protector and a provider of our family. I can't really feel comfortable going down that path with, uh, with our family is how I felt about that. Yes. And for me, it was different a little bit because I do like recognize that there were those concerns and like they're really valid concerns. Um, but for, for me, like always thinking about it, like I would think about like that boy that I knew, you know, like I remember him, I remember his name, like I remember like just specific things about him. And I think when you think of it as a child, you know, like a child that needs love in his life and needs a family and needs protection needs stability like all those things for me I'm like it's not as scary because like like you can help with those things and you can provide those but things. you you also had heard Ashley's story I had and you heard saw Ashley's a story. real yeah. person sharing her experience as a child mm-hmm. and what that was like growing up in foster care and how traumatic that was in many circumstances right. yeah and that and actually it was kind of hard to read her book and just like hear like parts of it I remember just like made me like just like almost ill just like I did not feel good I don't even want to like read this but for me I think like that fear was taken out because of the good feelings that I did feel about it that's right so I kind of put a hard no to that or at least a relatively hard no I did see that Andrea was 
was felt something for that. But it's not like you were coming to me and saying, I feel like we need to do this. And so you just said that something you'd, that you'd point, had an experience. I was like, you need to read this book. And Brady was kind enough to eventually read the book. Well, keep going on, <laughs> on how all that came to pass as it relates to another experience that you had. Okay. Well, I, so I remember that was like in March or in the spring sometime when we read that book. And then, um, I remember like in May, I actually got on Instagram and I saw, I was like, oh, it's foster care awareness month. I'm like, that's so strange. It just like showed up on on my feed. So I started like looking at, uh, these things about foster care and, um, and kind of like, it just like kept that interest going. And then, um, in the fall, I went to a conference with my friends, and it was a conference for women, and they had Tim Ballard come and speak about Operation Underground Rail- Railroad, and this must have been like, I don't even remember the year, but it was when it was still like relatively a new thing, and I just remember hearing um, his story, and he had... Um, Gardy's dad come I forgot his name but he had Gardy's dad like the first child that he that kind of inspired him to go into um into his nonprofit. anyway he had his dad come and speak about losing his son and not being able to find him and the trafficking and everything that was going on and the whole time that we were listening to these very like emotional stories um I just like knew like just something inside of me was like you have to do foster care like you need to do foster care like if you want to help these children if you want to do anything to help like these these men are doing like you've got to do foster care and so I remember just coming home from that that conference and that experience and like telling Brady like we need to do foster care like I know we need to do foster care so this was different for me at that time because before Andrea had always um, liked the idea or had planted that seed was what I would say actively patient in nurturing and encouraging, but she had never come to me and said, I feel like this is something that we're supposed to do. And I could see that um, after this experience in hearing Tim Ballard speak, that she something switched in her mind, that she went from, yeah, I, I would be open to doing that to saying, this is something I feel like we need to do. And um, for me, in that moment, I knew or at least I felt in my heart that I had a responsibility to honor that, to honor what Andrea was feeling, even though all of my reservations and reasons why I did not want to do foster care um, were still there. But I knew that uh, Andrea felt something and I wanted to honor that. Um, I feel really passionate about that uh, because Andrea has been an incredible support for me throughout my entire adult life that we've been married. Um, Andrea supported me through all of um, school. And um, as I started a business, she was just like bend over backwards to allow me to work like crazy hours, big, big sacrifices for our family. And she never once complained about that. Um, She was always my biggest supporter. And anytime I had a bad day, she was always somebody that would just listen to me. And and I just, I knew she was my absolute teammate in that respect. 
and um, and she supported me in in those passions and some of which I've talked about on this podcast, whether that's baseball or the outdoors or whatever it is. She's always something that I feel passionate about. She's going to support me 100%. Iron Man was another one, and being able to even start <laughs> Rod's Heroes was a huge sacrifice that Andrea was able to do. And I think all too often that's the case with many marriages and, and relationships that the husband is out slaying dragons all day and um, and that the spouse is an incredible, loving, kind, soft place to land for that dragon slayer and that they're an incredible support that way. And that's a natural tendency. It's That's in their human nature as a mother, as a caretaker, as a lover uh, of somebody that they just are so, so uh, helpful in that respect. So I felt a responsibility to be able to support her. And I made a commitment at that time that I would do my due diligence in seeking out and finding if this is what, in essence, God was asking us to do. And so I had a, I had a bear hunt coming up, <laughs> which is, it was in Canada. And it was a, a hunt where I would go and on this hunt, you're in a tree stand and you have to be super, super quiet because you have these bears that are coming below you. And it's just hours and hours and hours on end of sitting in this tree stand. And so it was a perfect opportunity to read a book. And I remember that Andrea had referenced that book by Ashley. And so I took that book with me and I went up there and I started to read that. And for a couple of days, I read that. And during that time, I remember I was, as it was an emotional, special experience. I was like trying not to cry in the stand because I didn't want to scare any potential bears that would be coming in. But uh, I remember my heart started to soften. But all of those fears and those anxieties and like the logic behind it still persisted until I finally went and truly asked God, is this what you want me to do? And I, and I did so in a way that I was willing to accept the answer, whatever it was. And so I genuinely wanted to know what he wanted me to do. And as is the case, when you seek out inspiration with a, with a pure intent, if you may, then that, that answer comes. And for me, in this circumstance, the answer was yes. It is something that we're supposed to do. And so I took a deep breath, and it was a long drive back to Utah from Canada, and I got back, and I told Andrea that I'm ready to pursue this if you still want to pursue this. And um, I think that oftentimes uh, from our experience, we see a similar journey for families, uh, in particular a husband and a wife, where the spouse will feel strongly, are ready, they're ready to answer the call. To adopt and that the husband in this circumstance or example would be dragging their feet and I see all too often that the response of the husband is well and even even being faith-based uh, individuals well if God wants me to do it he hasn't told me yet and if God wants me to do it I, I need to see a sign I need to have an experience I haven't felt anything and um, they're just kind of waiting resting on their laurels to see if you know hey let me know. And yeah, if you want to tell me to do it, I'll go ahead and do it. But knowing in their heart all along that they do not have pure intent, that there's not a genuine sincerity to try and seek out whether or not this is the correct thing. So that was my experience. What What are your thoughts, yeah. honey? 
yeah, I um, remember like it was something that I wanted to do and it just like wouldn't leave me, kept coming back. Like I would, I would just think about it a lot and um, had talked to Brady about it and didn't know like if he was going to go for that ever or not, but just, just like knew that it was definitely a desire that I had to be able to do that. And, um, and I do remember, um, I remember like us talking about it and being like, well, you know, there's like a lot of unknowns and like, what ifs, like, what if this or what if that, or what if it's bad for our our children that we have? Like, obviously we don't want to do it if it is going to be bad for them. And I just remember, um, I remember at some point Brady coming home and being like, look, if you feel this strongly about it, like, let's at least take the classes and go from there. And so I think that that was kind of like the starting point where I didn't even know what the end result would be, like if we would actually end up doing foster care or not. But like when Brady agreed to do the classes, I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. And it actually was way hard to do the classes because this was pre-COVID, so you actually had to go to the classes. And and Brady worked up in Salt Lake County, and the classes we were going to were clear down like mid-Utah County. And like so getting through all that traffic to get down there by 6 o'clock and then spend – two hours six there six or nine. three hours six to nine there with our little kids at home and we had to like get a babysitter to come stay with them and like get them dinner and all that stuff and get them to bed like that was a sacrifice like I remember just thinking like man can we even make the sacrifice to like take these classes Become and eligible. do these classes but as we went to the classes I think that that also like helped us know we were on the right path because we had pretty incredible experiences at the, at the classes like I mean nothing like so amazing but every time we left like we felt so good and but we, learned we would learn amount. things My and we would changed. yeah we would just have these conversations because they would bring in um like kids who grew up in the foster care system they would bring in parents who lost their kids to the foster care system they would bring in just like all these different angles and all these different scenarios um to teach about you know what's happening with this with this program and and so it was just really enlightening and i think like every time every time we left like my desire to do it had grown stronger. Yeah, I agree. Those classes were actually fundamental to me um, in understanding the role of parents, meaning multiple parents in raising a child. And so for our girls with Jessica, their birth mother, um, she's our teammate and, and she had challenges. She's probably still has challenges to where she could not get her girls back, but she's our teammate. Like we are 100% on the same team together and together we're raising these girls mm-hmm. uh, in, in tandem as a teammate. And I would also say that those experiences that we had doing the foster care classes have prepared us to be prepared to adopt. Now here we are, a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 11-year-old and a 9-year-old from Columbia yeah. that don't speak English, that came from that a challenging background, background, very traumatic background that um, all of those reasons that um, I was having reservations are very real. Two boys, two girls coming into our house that are teenagers, all of those things are very real. But with those classes, that has helped a lot. Yeah, they were fantastic. They do a great job with their training, and it's just, like, super practical and applicable. And um, and you hear, like, heartbreaking things, but the thing that I loved about it is just, like, the hope at the end, right? Like, there's always just, like, the sense of, like this really strong sense of hope that like 
these are really hard things that people have been through and they people have to work through still and that there's like issues that are still associated with the hard things they've been through but like I just love the hope at the end of every one of those that like because people are willing to reach out because people are willing to make connections like these things can be like overcome is what I have always just like felt from that and loved about that things always work out in the end and if they haven't worked out yet you know it's not the end yet that's right I I do want to reiterate though um, going back to the original question and topic of this podcast in that what do you do when you have a spouse who you feel 100% this is something you're supposed to do and you have a spouse that is not 100% on board. And so the message again being towards that spouse in saying, um, if your spouse feels strongly that this is something that you should do, that you owe it to that individual. And in particular, this would be a message that I would share specific to husbands that I've seen in Andrea and I've seen in many, many other, I mean, my own mother, my grandmothers, my aunts, my friends' mothers, I see in all of them this amazing divine attribute of being a mother, that it's a divinely appointed calling, if you may, that it's what they are, it's their superpower, it's what they're supposed to do. And so it's natural that they probably want to invite more children into their family because they are a nurturer, they are a caretaker, somebody that just truly loves, and that's inherently who they are. And so I understand the challenges of the logic behind it, but I feel it's a responsibility for us as their husband to support them, encourage, and, and be a helpmeet to them to help them and allow them to realize their full divine potential in being a mother. And oftentimes that is through adoption. And for Andrea and I are a good example We got to a place where after Mason was born, her uterus ruptured, and we knew the only way that we were going to have more children would be through adoption. And so oftentimes that is the case for a lot of families, that the only way that that this mother who has these yearnings to to do what she is divinely appointed to do is going to be through adoption. But it takes both. It takes both to be able to do it. Yeah, it for sure does. And um, that's nice that all those nice things that you said about that, because I think that um, the, uh, that will resonate well with a lot of men and women, that it definitely takes like it takes two two different people with like different roles and different responsibilities to really make it be successful and to like be able to like find the joy in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, being on the other side of it now um, of having these little girls and having gone through foster care, I can't even put into words what this has meant for our family. Um, It's been hard. It's it's been just as hard as I thought it was going to be. There's been more challenges, I would say, than even I expected. Um, But the fruits of that challenge and those labors, I can't even begin to describe. And there's no way for me to be able to say, this is why you should do it, or here's all the great things about it because it truly is a, an experience and a, and a feeling you just can't describe. You can only experience, but I would not trade it for anything. Yeah, we do like to say that it will definitely be like the hardest thing that you'll ever do, right? It's 
guaranteed to be hard, but it will also be like the most beautiful hard that you're that you will experience. And that's just you know what we found. Like Brady said, like it there it has been hard, and it's like pushed us like beyond where we thought we could go, and it's pushed us like in good ways and bad ways. I would say like I mean it's pushed us to our limits where we are like like for me like where I'm like I do not want to be this kind of parent that I'm being because like I'm like stressed out and Audrey and all these different things that like it's making me be who I don't want to be but the cool thing about that is like like you have to keep going and you have to keep trying and then you find that like through through that stretching and like those hard things like you have to change right you can't stay there and so you change and you grow and you become something better ultimately and you like find a way to have more patience and you find a way to like work through you know to balance more responsibility and all of a sudden like you realize like I like this is doing something to me like I thought I was going to do something for these kids or you know this child but ultimately like we all grow together and are benefited because of it that's that's really in my opinion the purpose on why we're here is to grow and to expand to get out of our comfort zone and the best way to do that is in the service of others and i think yes no better no better place to serve than your family right that's right being an adoptive parent is one of the best ways to be able to you know, the word that comes to my mind, consecrate yourselves to um, this desire to truly try and become who you're supposed to become. And there's a phrase that I'll use that I want to get to the end of my life having sung the song I was supposed to sing. And that's a big motivation to uh, do what I'm supposed to do, do what is being asked of me to be able to be the best instrument. What you were created to do. That's right. Yeah, the best instrument you were created to do. That's right. And for us, it's adoption. For others, maybe it's not adoption or yeah, it's something else. Yeah, that could be a, a myriad of things. Like, it's a universal never, principle. You never know. But like, but we do love sharing our adoption stories because because of that, because of like just the incredible experiences that they are and have been and will be. And we're excited to be able to continue those those experiences and continue with our next four to come. Well, that's what I was just going to say, like, we're not even at halftime yet, yeah. and so we've got just, just three three kids home, and hopefully, it's again not done yet, but hopefully four more. And uh, so we're just we're just barely getting into halftime. I can't wait to see what the second half holds. Yeah, we'll see, huh? It's gonna be we a better lot. better take our vitamins and <laughs> get our sleep. Right. <laughs> so true. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.